I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Chicos, chicas, la cultura, mi gente, bienvenidos today to celebrate the start of the National Hispanic, Latino, and Latinx Heritage Month in September. I'm joined by two very special guests, the voice of LAFC, Max Bretos, and CBS Sports' very own Jenny Chu to talk about the Latino, the Latinx community, and its indelible influence on the growth of soccer in the U.S. We hope that you truly enjoy this chat. Que golazo begins right now. Welcome, everybody, to Kigo Lasso. This is our daily one-stop shop for everything happening in the beautiful game. If you don't know Kigo Lasso and you're joining for the conversation about the Latin, uh, Latinx community, welcome. This is a true conversation about Latinos in the game and what they represent and the audience and how we can encourage each other to grow even more. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, do everything that you can, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports apps, and, of course, wherever you listen to your pods. All right. Let's talk about La Cultura. I said I had two great guests, and I want to introduce them right now. We'll go. Well, I'm sorry, Max. We're going to start with Age Before Beauty. How about that? Max <laughs> the face, the voice of LAFC. His resume is amazing, taking him from Fox to ESPN. I just found out he also went to acting school. He is a tremendous, tremendous influence in the game, a Latino voice, uh, a Cuban, my Cuban brother, Max Bretos. How are you, my friend? Qué lindo, Luis Miguel. Gracias. That is so nice to hear. It's uh, I'm a I'm a very emotionally driven. I all the emotions are on my sleeves. So when I hear stuff like that, it gets to me. I might even cry. I have uh, I got very much more emotional as you get a little bit older. But I won't get into that. But great to be here. I admire what you've been doing. And uh, now to, to be on this podcast is uh, is quite uh, is quite the accomplishment on my end too. No, my friend, it was amazing. I met uh, Max face to face in the Nations League and it was kind of like we knew each other forever. So it was, you know, I, I thought of nobody else but to we join. We just made fun day. of Heath. That made us because <laughs> we just poked fun at him and we got to laugh. Well, we have to make fun of him because he's too good looking and I have to do things to make me feel better. Dress is too good, too. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And it can't just be me and Max here. I had to bring in a very good friend of mine, an incredible her career. Her resume at her age, I don't want to sound patronizing, but it's really incredible. And I'm so proud to call her my colleague, Jenny Chu from Orlando Pride. She did some work there as well. Chelsea, I know Chelsea, Chelsea Digital. She also was played for Mexico, by the way. So she's a former player. So she can tell me and Max to be quiet when it comes to the actual game. And now... Hopefully you'll see her. Well, no, I know you will see her if you tune in. Paramount Plus as the US MNT get ready for World Cup qualifier. She does NWSL content as well. And the Champions League coming up on CBS Sports. My God, that's a mouthful, Jenny Chu. Jenny, how are you? I am well. I'm so excited to be here after putting it off for quite a while. I told you, not ready, not ready, not ready. And here we are for something that matters to me. And we've connected about this so many times. We, we met at Nations League in person too and talked about the identity of being Latino and being in the industry. So this is perfect timing. 
Absolutely. We both, we both met Luis Miguel on the same day for the first time. We got to we got to get past this pandemic. This thing is keeping people apart. It really Enough. Is. It really is. And apologies for forgetting. That's right. I was doing a hit with Heath, and then I just hear, "Oh yeah!" And I was like, "Who is this?" And it was Jenny. Amazing, amazing. But listen, I am so happy that you're here. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, everybody, this is a conversation about. Latinos in the game. And I know that many times when you read something or you watch something or you listen specifically on this content, you know, it, it's a lot of lecturing. I, I do want to make sure that we celebrate because sometimes we look at this glass half empty and not half full. We have made tremendous steps in the game in, uh, as both as reporters, media, fans, and the things that we have been able to do. And as we look ahead to the World Cup in 2026, it's going to be important for everybody to remember that Latinos are a fundamental part of this game going forward. Max, I want to begin with you. I want to start. I mean, listen, I did your intro a little bit at the beginning. Talk to me a little bit about your career and how when you were growing up, you know, looking ahead to, you know, whatever it is that you wanted to do when you were younger, who were your influences growing up and what did the landscape of the Latino, of the, you know, the Latino audience within this soccer community, what did it look like, like all the way back then? Oof, that's a, that's a, a lot to think about, but they, it's pretty crystal clear when I think of those people that kind of propelled me forward. But I'm glad you said we're not here to lecture because I, I, when, when I first got in here and I spoke to about Latinos in this industry, I felt I did a lot of lecturing. And what I understood is like, if the people aren't ready to receive that message, maybe the better message is to celebrate, to share uh, those shared values that we have with other groups that uh, to show that we're all very similar, because I think the Latinos in when I've discovered and took a long time for me to figure this out, just want to be included. They want to be included in everything. Just kind of say a few things, say, yeah, we, we know you're there. Come in and listen to this audience, whether it's football, whether it's NFL, whatever it is, uh, because we're such a, a large group. But uh, I, I, there's, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but there's been progress there and it's been great. Certainly what you guys are doing at CBS is a big step. So you should be very proud of what you're accomplishing and what will you, you will be accomplishing in the future. Uh, I, mean, I just growing up in sports, our family moved around a lot. We, uh, uh, my father was a professor and he, I guess he got into some arguments with he just got he just moved from job to job. So we lived in Colombia. We lived in Australia. We lived in Ohio. We lived uh, a, obviously in Florida before too long, briefly in Mexico. So but this great experience and it just showed me what sports was like in, in particular in some of these areas where how they uh, broadcast to Latinos in a certain way. And I was as I got a little bit older, I watched so much TV as a kid. My mother would. uh just rip into me all the time. Get out of here. Go to the beach. But I'd watch TV and it was sports and sports. And I remember like seven, eight years ago, she comes up to me. And she goes, I owe you an apology, Max. I go, what? All those times you're watching sports and you're preparing for your career, which wasn't really accurate. I really was just watching sports and I didn't want to go out sometimes. And then I started to get going out. But you did. And just sports, sports. I loved it. And then with the soccer, try first to broadcast games and to get into this game, which has been the, the, the greatest thing ever because, A, it's created uh, employment for me and helped me um, in, engage all these years and meet the most incredible people and cover the greatest sport. And I'm not afraid to say that, and uh, I don't think there's any argument. But uh, the first one was Andres Cantor. And to hear him 
because we didn't have it on the English side. So you went to hear it on the Spanish side and to hear the World Cups. And I always remember the, the Liga MX games were on TV, too. There We had a little bit in English. But sometimes you have to rent – this is going to sound – I'm going to sound ancient here. You'd have to rent a videotape to watch soccer. So, listen to uh, that, kids. Listen to that, kids. <laughs> you'd have Please to go to Blockbuster. I know you don't remember what that is. And get a tape of 1979 FA Cup final. It's Jenny, I think you need to listen to this as well. Like, that, there's no way in the world that you experience the same thing. He doesn't here. have a VHS player. No way, Jenny. Listen, no, no, no. I, I think I've told this story on, on Twitter before, but um, I went to Argentina when I was like 10 years old. I played soccer, and we bought all of the DVDs like Maradona, Pele, and we would rewatch and rewatch and rewatch all of these growing up. So, okay. yes, it wasn't always online for me. Just wanted okay. to add that. They would, so they you, would sell you know. those. They'd sell those DVDs. You get them like thirty for ninety bucks <laughs> on Univision. You're like, oh yeah, that's a great deal. Three dollars. <laughs> but uh, but uh, just real quickly, Andres Candor was obviously someone you'd listen to, and he was just beautiful to hear these World Cups, which was my entry point to the sport. When I worked at Fox, we had football argentino every Sunday, and they had this announcer called Marcelo Araujo, mm. who was amazing. He is, he he brings levity, he would sing the broadcast, it was such an event, I go, wow, I never heard this, because everything was so close to the cuff here in the United States, and I was like, this guy, so maybe I went a little overboard, but he, I wouldn't say he was uh, a comedian or anything, but he he just bring different things, he would be driven emotionally by every call, so had little songs for each players, or uh, little goal calls, which were really cool. So those two guys, and obviously some here in the United States, which you you work on your chops and traveling, just hearing some of the broadcasters. I remember in Australia, this I think he's still there. This guy who covered, covered the rugby called Ray Warren, and you always knew it was him, and he sounded like the everyman. And I love that because I think maybe in sports we uh, we have a certain way how to broadcast, but when you when you hear people that are themselves on those broadcasts, it rings really true. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you do that better than most, to be honest with you. Like, seriously. And I think that that's part of, like, Andres Cantor, obviously, you know, uh, Nico, part of uh, the CBS team, but Andres Cantor to me as well, you know, is one of those people that really heightened the way that, you know, play-by-play announcers should sound like. And, you know, sometimes because we're so used to the Anglophile, we don't realize that actually there's like a plethora. It's like a rainbow of voices. And, and well, we're, a major, we're a major part of that. And Luis Miguel, really quickly, I've told this to Andres before. If I didn't hear him growing up, I probably would not have done this as Amazing. a profession. I think that's, that's pretty amazing. safe to say. That, that, that's that's a great, great thing. I hope Andres is listening. If not, I'll message him and tell him <laughs> myself. All right, Jenny. Well, let's go to you for a second. Because, Jenny, I mean, listen, again, like I said at the intro, I didn't. I don't want to sound patronizing, but the things that you have done already are amazing. And to me, what's really funny, it's you really are the epitome of glass half empty sometimes. Cause you're like, it's true. Everybody Jenny was like, I'm not ready to come on the show. I'm not It's like, what are you talking about? Let's celebrate Jenny Chu for a second, by the way, who also represents the Asian community, right? Your, your, your father is Chinese and your mother is Mexican, right? So you are uh, quite a unique story. You uh, went to North Carolina, but you, you, you were born and raised in El Paso. So, you know, we're going to talk about Ricardo Pepe in a second, by the way, because that's amazing. But talk to me about your experiences as a player and growing into the media side and just how how you have been impacted by that, especially uh, to me as a brown woman, as somebody in, in this in this in this uh, in this field, which, to be honest, there's not many of you. So h- how would you describe it uh, as you are right now with CBS? When you talk about how, you know, there's not many of us. When you asked, you know, who influenced you the most, I'm trying to think of like the Latina women that I watched growing up and I can't think of it. Like Andres Cantor 
was coming on my airwaves on my TV growing up. We had basic cable. We listened in Spanish growing up. But when I'm thinking about, okay, what Latina woman did I watch religiously? Like, I can't, I can't pick one out. Um, but there was Ann Curry on the Asian side. So there's that complexity of I am half Chinese, half Mexican, and I share both of these things. But I often say I am... I identify more with my Mexican side, which I, maybe is not like the best thing to say, but growing up where I grew up on the border of the United States and Mexico, the culture that I was raised with is Mexican, is Latina. I wasn't really raised with the Asian you know, people around me to show me the customs all the time. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great point that there is not that. And I appreciate you saying that we should celebrate all that I've accomplished at a young age. Um, I mean, listen, I don't want to say like you're 15 years old or anything, you know, obviously, but when you put, you know, the old man that's Max and myself, it's kind of like, you know, it's really impressive. So, you know, to me, to me, that's the thing. What, what I'm interested in, though, is also the fact that you're a former player uh, and how and how you, you know, you mentioned about, you know, you feeling more Mexican. How about the, the dual identity there in that perspective, especially growing up when you left El, El Paso specifically, right? Because you went to North Carolina after that. Mm -hmm. No, growing up somewhere where we all speak a bit of Spanglish, mm. you know, you go in and out of half, half Spanish, half English, and you don't even realize it. I often find myself now not realizing that I've switched to Spanish and some people can't follow the conversation because it's so natural to do so. I went to UNC where none of my teammates spoke Spanish. Zero of my teammates spoke Spanish. And it was a completely different experience because I had played for Mexico. I'd grown up in El Paso where everything was both. And then North Carolina, I don't think I knew one person or, or I spoke to one person in Spanish those years. I come back to El Paso and people are like, you forgot your Spanish or you, you know, you forgot about us. And it's like, no, I have no one to practice with. There's no one. So there's definitely that, that shift. And I grew up very much playing a Mexican style of soccer or a Latin style of soccer. And everyone would describe it as such. People would be like, oh, you don't play our game you play like them like and there's always a them no but we're, we won't get into that <laughs> no but we have to i think because that's a very good point you know you play you know you don't play our game and it's like what does that mean sometimes you know max when you cover lafc who by the way la has the biggest mexican american community in the country you know does that to you you know i guess what my question is how does the Mexican-American community define the club itself? Because when you talk about our game, right, it's, it's, it's such a – that's the thing about soccer. It's the ultimate global melting point. And I think that when I look at LAFC and, you know, El Trafico, for example, when we just watched it a few days ago, I mean, that game, you know, part of its fire, part of its energy is because of the Mexican-American audience. It's uh, And the LAFC fan base – you know, we I, every time I get to go to the games, go to the, the tailgate and it, there's this warmth. It is predominantly Mexican families, Central American families, but it's entirely L.A. And in this city in particular, you you have to be immersed in those those different cultures. It has to, it, it has to be all the same. And you kind of walk in step with everyone who's a Los Angelino because that's what you see every day. You you'll drive by taco trucks. You will you will come here and you will see the cultures of, of many different countries that are well represented. And it's certainly in some parts of the city, even more so where LAFC is their stadium is based uh, there in downtown Los Angeles. But you got to have the sensibilities. But it's they're they're Mexican families, but they're American, too. They are American. And they uh, 
they line up to to be in that group as well. And I think LAFC has done a really good job to say, first and foremost, it's this, we want to represent Los Angeles. And if you're from the city, you're under that umbrella, you're under the canvas of that, or that canopy of that uh, Bank of California Stadium, you are part of it. And it's been really cool to see that with the fan culture, the 3252. Most of the songs are, the two main songs uh, are, are in Spanish, and everyone kind of gravitates towards them, regardless of what their background is. But LAFC has been very true to be inclusive to everyone. And we have the TSG uh, Korean Tigers group as well. And we want to hear what they, they have, what they want to, from a club, what they want to see. We recently signed a Korean player. And to see how those connections were made, where uh, he has now become part of this community much quicker than you could have ever imagined because that community uh, came to support him. Same thing with Carlos Vela when he arrived. It's, uh, it's allowed the club also to absorb these young South American players at a quicker pace where I think there would be some issues in other cities. So LA is a great place to live in for that very reason. And LAFC, and they did this well before I got here, uh, made sure that they were authentic when they talked to their fan bases. And the way you do that is you just ask questions. What would you like to see? What would you want to do? And these fans have been empowered because the club listens to them. And uh, I've, I would recommend everyone, regardless of what neighborhood, what, what city or town you live in, to follow something suit, listen to the people. Yeah, I remember when I was doing some early reporting on LAFC that one of the first things that they did was literally reach out to the community. It was a, a, a brick was not even laid on a stadium. And the first thing they did was just talk to the people. So Jenny, let me ask you, because obviously with your work with Orlando as well, and you know, Florida, Miami more, being the Latin American capital of the world, you know, uh, Mexican American, uh, you know, community in LA is one thing, and then Florida has a massive Latin American audience. Well, did you feel the same kind of initiatives and efforts in Orlando? Well, I wasn't there at the beginning stages of the club. I know Max was with LAFC at the start. Um, but from what I've heard, yes, they were very much community oriented when everything started, getting everyone's opinion. There was two big supporter groups, and one of them was like Latin focused um, completely. So I think they did, and I, but I just wasn't there to, to say so. Well, let's 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 focus on MLS for a second, uh, because uh, and I'll throw it to both of you. I guess I'll begin with you, Max, just because it was at Bank of California Stadium. But, you know, I thought that the All-Star game was kind of a perfect example of kind of where how far MLS has come and how far MLS has come in its relationship with Liga MX as well. How would you think that the league's relationship with the Latino Latinx community has improved? And Jenny, please feel free to chime in afterwards. I think the league still has a lot of work to do on that front. And I, when you talk to them, they are aware of it uh, with, with representation within the league, within the clubs, um, Latinos who uh, are in positions of power where that's like, to me, the, the big overarching issue that we have to face where people are, you know, general managers, coaches, uh, head of the uh, VPs at every level. Yeah. Decision of these clubs Yeah. Yeah, yeah, decision maker, because they know, because they have the idea, because so many times uh, catering to a Hispanic audience kind of uh, is DOA because you don't have, and it's not their fault, but they don't have the decision to say, what what do we have to do here? Who do we have to talk to to make sure we execute whatever idea or strategy we have? But um, they, they know that, and I think the Liga MX relationship helps them really close some ground on that, because Liga MX can help do that for them, because... You know, MLS, it's no doubt about it. It's 
just looking at it from dollars and cents and it being a profitable league. And that's important because this league makes money. It's good. It's good for all of us. It's it's good for people involved in MLS and it's good for the fans. And you can build that up to where you want it to be, where you don't have to say no to ideas that could be cumbersome or expensive or whatever have you. So uh, that's really good news across the board. And Liga MX brings obviously so many more eyeballs. We saw that the, you know, the people obviously on through the NA are watching. Why wouldn't they? I mean, the biggest Mexican stars play in MLS. Granted, we didn't get Vela and Chicharito, but the idea of getting those guys playing against the best league MX guys is is really exciting. I would say on a side note, the All-Star game, Well, I spoke to Bob Bradley. He goes, this was a different All-Star game because there was an intensity to it. And I go, I agree. We saw it. We enjoyed it. So uh, Liga MX I, I, I think the ceiling is – we can't see the ceiling of that relationship. They've thrown out some some far-fetched ideas, which don't seem as far-fetched now as maybe they did a few months ago because League MX knows that this is a great opportunity. But I hope with those relationships – and I think by necessity you have to – to be able to talk about both leagues, to be able to be, create a relationship or be a conduit between those, those, those leagues, you're going to have to employ – uh, Mexican folks who know it, and th- there's so many of them, and they're so underrepresented. And I think now you have an opportunity with that because of the big dollar signs that are attached to it. Because Liga MX is a difference changer to the league. The league is doing great, but this helps you speed that process up. Yeah, absolutely, Jenny. I don't know if you wanted to chime in, especially as well as we discuss and include as well the NWSL because you know it's a product of CBS as well. And, you know, the women's game is incredibly important in America as well, not just the, the United States women's national team, which I do feel I think need to do a little bit more to engage with the Latina community as well. How, how would you feel about that, it's specifically including the U.S. soccer perspective? Do you think they need to do more to do a little bit more to engage with the, with the Latino audience? Absolutely. I mean, I don't think that that's something that they've tapped into at all, especially on the women's side. You know, the, the men's side, their slogan now is uh, only forward or what, what is it now? But solo para adelante. So they're mm. now speaking to the Spanish audience. Very recently, this came out what a week ago. So they, the U.S. men's side, is starting to say, "Okay, that's something that we need to chime into. Uh, we need to care about." But on the women's side, I haven't seen that push. So, you know, when is the last time we've seen a Latina player on the U.S. women's national team that has made spark and? Once you do see that, you can believe that you can be that. So when you're a young woman and a young girl and you see a Latina on the national team for the U.S. and you're like, oh, I want to do that. You know, and that's a conversation we're having when we get into Pepe and and all these other, you know, dual nationals that get to choose. When you don't see the U.S. national team picking Latino players, you don't think that that's a possibility for you. And now that there maybe we're starting a shift potentially, you know, if Pepe is that first one to start a shift, then you can see that and say that, okay, they care about us enough to invest in us enough to, you know, bring us on. And now that's something that I want to do that really didn't exist when, when I was younger. Well, that's what I was going to go. Like how do you, how, how was your experience? Go ahead, Max. Yeah. I just wanted to add something. I, I, I don't think we, we give that enough attention and how, how big of a difference it makes. Cause I've seen it when you see somebody, a Latino in whatever sport, make a breakthrough, you will, you have no idea how many people that affects and how quickly it can change to where people are, are already on that. Tra- young men and women are on that trajectory to try and do that as a living. I saw it with MMA recently, Brandon Moreno, who won the UFC. Yes. Uh, he won it. And now 
the the number of kids in gyms has gone through the roof because I, I I've talked to them and you can see the numbers and you can see gyms growing where they're developing young fighters. It happens real quick with just one person in that situation. One hundred percent. I mean, one hundred percent. I think Pepe, uh, a fellow El Pasan, uh, there, Jenny. I think uh, is a great example. example. I think it's a good example. Jenny, did you feel uh, supported by both sides when you were playing at, at that time? Hmm. I mean, so to give a little bit of background, I played with the U.S. national team pool and the Mexican national team pool at the yeah. same time. And then there came a time to pick, like, where are you putting all your, your eggs? Um, and it was different. You know, the growing up in a Mexican culture soccer style community culture like everything that i did my day-to-day my soccer was in spanish to then going to the u.s national team camp is a very different uh situation like i i'm a fish out of water i feel out of depth and i think that that's something that now when you talk about you know david ochoa and all of these players that they're like we don't we're not as accepted we don't vibe as well or whatever it may be I, I understand that completely, you know, and it's it's not here nor there. You know, it's it's you don't fully you're not fully accepted in Mexico because you have this. You're born in America. You have different opportunities. You're this and that. And, and then on the American side, there's that as well. And I think that I can say that in a soccer sense. But I think that many people feel it in their daily lives, in their work. They're not accepted fully here. They're not accepted fully there. And whether I felt supported, I mean, I don't know. I think that I've always had a very different identity, like very rare, unique identity that I am also Chinese and I have never met another half Chinese, half Mexican mm. and also living in the culture of El Paso, which I think Ricardo Pepe really spoke for me, which I thought was beautiful in the sense that you do straddle. Like I straddle a border. Um, my mom lived in Mexico my entire childhood. She has a house in Guadalajara. She didn't live with us. Like we spent our time there and People don't understand that. So, you know, in Nations League, one of the big topics on CBS was, are you supporting the U.S. or Mexico um, in the Nations League Final Four? And I was like, oh, I mean, I played for Mexico. You don't understand. Like, my upbringing is Mexican. I, I support the Mexican national team. My football upbringing is Mexican. And people on the U.S. side will get very upset about that. Like, yeah. you live here. You took our opportunities. You, you know, you you took our education system. And it's like, I very much love the U.S. too. Like you're, you're not understanding that I also mm. support the U.S. men's national team, and if Mexico isn't playing against them, I will root and root and root for them. Yeah. But it is this this weird balancing of we straddle two borders, and I genuinely I'm going to reach out to Pepe at some point and say thank you for you know vocalizing where we live is so unique, and we can really really love both sides so much, and I and I feel that. Yeah, no, that's a really great way to, to say it. I, I just, you know, I remember when I first moved to England from Peru, like people don't understand that folks like us, like we actually are living in two countries. When we're outside, it's like one. And then you open the door to your household and it was Peru mm-hmm. for me. Spanish all the time, Peruvian food, uh, leave the house and it's something else. And I think that, Max, I think that Jonathan Gonzalez kind of jolted you as soccer into understanding that a little bit more, right? Don't you think? Yeah, and that, I think, was uh, some egg on their face because I don't think they did the right processes to to identify this player as a as a, a possible U.S. men's national team player. I will add, and you know, Jenny touched on David Achoa, and then we have Efrain Alvarez, Julian Araujo. Uh, two of them already are, are – 
are go- going to play for Mexico. Araujo, it seems like that might be the same direction based on his non-inclusion here. So Ricardo Pepe, <clears throat> excuse me, Ricardo Pepe is really the first one that has really changed it. And I think he'll do more to possibly uh, get dual nationals to perhaps follow his path than U.S. soccer did. Because U.S. soccer still doesn't have that Latino representation there. That's something they really have to work on, as I said earlier, to to be able to identify, scout everything that's required to find those young, talented players. Obviously, you don't have to scout for Ricardo Pepe. He's there at this level. But Greg Berhalter has said it, and he said, we got Pepe because we started those conversations much earlier than Mexico. Ricardo clearly knew that, and he said, I want to go with the U.S. route because of all the good things they've done. So that also tells you that there's a good sensibility for U.S. soccer. But I think because what's at stake, you've, you've, you've got to certainly empower some Latinos, particularly Mexicanos, to be able to be the conduit to be able to to find these guys. And I don't know if it's going to make a difference because I think when I heard Jenny as well there, these feelings are so strong. I don't know if anyone can really sway you too much mm. once you know that decision's made. But then again, it's a very difficult decision. And it, it it's difficult that they have to be, that these young kids have to be put to that situation. And I think the first thing that just needs to be respected is as long as the effort is there, a true, unique, organic effort to make an attempt to understand where these dual nationals are coming from, specifically from the Latino and Latinx audience. All right, I want to move on from the player perspective, and I want to focus a little bit more on the actual audience, the Latino audience, the Latino soccer audience in this country. Both of you, you know, you have worked for multiple platforms, brands, you know, you know, some, you know, specifically Jenny and I, you know, from non-American, European as well. You know, and we're looking at how different clubs, platforms, brands, outlets are perhaps understanding the audience a little bit more. Just some numbers for, for you listening and watching, okay? There's almost 17 million Hispanic Latinos in this country. Almost 70% are 30 or younger. 48 to 47% are 18 or younger. We are very young. We're super diverse. We're not a monolith. So I know that the main conversation has been in the Mexican community, but we're talking about Colombians, uh, Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Argentinians, Venezuelans, all with completely different stories. And to Max's points earlier, they love, um, you know, Chivas or, you know, Messi as much as they love Aaron Rodgers or, you know, they love the NFL as much as they love you know, Pulisic, or as much as they are going to begin to love Pepe. It's it's such a complex audience. And the more I'm looking at platforms and clubs and leagues, specifically ones, by the way, who are not even American, like look at Wolves and what they're doing with Raul Jimenez, right? Or, you know, just little things like that. How would you, if you were thinking of this audience, Jenny, I'll begin with you. If you were thinking of this audience, this Latino audience, and you're looking at clubs or platforms that, you know, you know, even outside of America, like what, what, what do you think needs to be done more in order to try and attain this very young, very aggressively digital, by the way, I didn't even tell you that, you know, who watches more mobile video in this country, Latinos. Okay. We are excessively aggressive on video. You know, who engages with ads in articles and things like that? Latinos. We're suckers for that stuff. So all these things are money makers. So, you know, appealing to this audience is not just good for the culture. It's good for the business of whatever it is. So what, Jenny, would you do? You, would you like to see more done? And you can be as specific as you want. Yeah, I think 
well, just specifically in our space, giving a voice to these players is so important. You know, I think we've connected on it before. What made me different than the next reporter was that I wanted to give a voice to these Spanish-speaking players, and I could. And I had the cultural understanding to be able to transmit their message. You know, I had been in their shoes as a player that had to go away from home for months at a time. Like, and before I got to, you know, I'm not going to specify, but the clubs that I was at, that wasn't really their interest. They didn't think that the numbers were there. I even had gone into some meetings and been like, you know, this player is our highest goal scorer. Why have we not ever done a feature piece on him? And it's like, oh, you know, we spoke to MLS and they said that the numbers aren't there. Like there's no need to put resources into that because the we've done the surveys and it's not there. I was like, okay, I, I would assume differently. So we're going to do it anyway. Uh, Max is there shake, shaking his head. Since you guys can't numbers. see this in his face, he's like, the numbers are definitely there. <laughs> Anyways, they told me that. And I said, okay, we'll do it anyway. You know, like, let's just see. And those videos are the ones that hit for us. The, the audience is there if you yep. create the content for it and if you understand. Because I think the difference is if I if I only spoke Spanish, but I didn't have the cultural like Latin roots understanding as well, it matters. Like yep. I understood some of what they were talking about and their family dynamic was very similar to my family dynamic. Um, so I just... I was very upset early on that that's a roadblock constantly. You have to fight to give these players a voice when these players are consistently, I mean, at least in MLS, the difference makers in these games. So, you know, in post-game interviews, you know, I'm, I get told in an earpiece who I can't, who I want. And I say this player and they're, Oh, he doesn't speak English. Pick someone else. I'm like, but he scored the goal. He had the assist. He was the, just let me interview him, you know, and, and it's constantly having to fight and having to fight for that. Yeah, that's such, oh, so many good points there. I mean, that's why it connects to the Wolves and Raul Jimenez. I mean, to me, the fact that Leeds United doesn't have a Spanish-speaking uh, social media outlet to me is insane. You have Marcelo Bielsa, who literally is like the pulp of like South American soccer, and the amount of content that you could create is incredible. Max, same question to you. I mean, and you work for a club who really knows the Latino audience. But, you know, when you look at the overall spectrum of, of things within the game, what would you like to see more of? The right answer is what Jenny just said. And I just want to, I just want to even add to it for some of my experiences with what has happened there. So it's very frustrating. When I worked at ESPN, we would have, we'd cover baseball and baseball is heavy Latino. So these players would do these amazing things. And we'd never hear from them. And I'm like, I know I want to hear from them. I guarantee you the English-speaking American audience wants to hear from them too because they love these players. Uh, Yasiel Puig came from Cuba, didn't speak any uh, any English. He does now. I, I, I don't know what Yasiel Puig is up to. I haven't watched much baseball. But I went up to my the superiors and I go, why don't we interview him in Spanish and we can translate it? And they're like, okay. And we did it. And people were just wow, this, we get to, we've been talking about him for six months, not six months, three months. And now we actually get to hear from him, even though it was, you know, it was a very easy conversation. We were, I was throwing softball questions his way, but we got to know him a little bit. And I was like, wow, that's that moment. And when Jenny did that with at Orlando or uh, Sebastian Salazar, we, we were covering Atlanta United. We never heard from Tata Martino. And I'm like, <laughs> It's, Every, it's, yeah. it's not just Latinos who want to hear from him. Everybody wants to hear from him because he's the coach of this very successful team. So that is a number one. And that will bridge gaps. I guarantee you 
because there are so many Latinos now in the sports. Before too long, it's going to be basketball and NFL football as well. But if you cover MLS, the best players here speak Spanish. Same in the Premier League, uh, a good portion of them. Or it's certainly La Liga. We all watch it. So, and the Serie A, of course, which is on 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 CBS now. (laughs) You got plenty. Lautaro Martinez, you want to hear from him, don't you? So uh, that's uh, obviously the big part. I know just as a sidebar, and I and I know we're going to talk about advice you can give to young kids out there. Young, that's a uh, uh, that's a little bit excessive. Just kids out there about what you should do. It's just kind of speak up and empower yourself to tell people how you would cater to a Latino audience. A real quick story: uh, the Cuban national team was playing the Tampa Bay Rays in Cuba. First time a team had been there. It was just like six, seven years ago, and they're all making plans for what they were going to do and i heard over i heard them and i go you know you need to be in miami and talk to the the expat community to make this coverage complete so i went into the office said hey look i would like to be part of this brought this coverage i think you need to do this whether you send me or someone else so i went down there i was outside versailles and i interviewed people we got great interviews and it gave great contact yeah so those are just lessons and it took me a long time to figure out that's what i needed to do but just with the translations, with just the reach out, if you're a Latino out there or Latina, you can make a big difference with that because everyone wants to hear from these athletes. That's priority one. Well, well said. I mean, I remember in Sports Illustrated when Copa America was on, I went to Jackson Heights and we did a whole photographic uh, album of uh, restaurants and barbershops that were supporting each each of their nations. And it was one of the best. Uh, I think it got nominated uh, for an award because these, you know, just representation is so important. It's massive. And, you know, baseball is such a good example, but soccer too. I mean, listen, here's the other part of it. And I'm wondering your thoughts. It's not just about, you know, talking in their native language and wanting to hear from them, but it's understanding who they are as people. I remember, uh, you know, you mentioned Yasuel Puig, you know, a few years ago, one of the most interesting things about him was uh, seeing him cook with his mom. Like that was something that we wanted to see. Right. Uh, Joseph Martinez, one of the most successful videos we've done on Kego Lasso is when I'm literally asking him because he loves Peruvian food. But he, he admitted that he gained too much weight because of it. And it, it's just <laughs> about understanding the cultural little things. I remember when the Nationals won uh, the World Series and Soto hit that home run. It wasn't that home run that was the most watched video from MLB. It was the Academy kids back at the Dominican Republic who were celebrating like crazy that got the most views. So understanding the cultural history of these players is absolutely massive. Huge, huge. Journalism, journalism 101, Luis Miguel, because that's, uh, and everyone in any language will say, learn about the athletes. And everyone wants to learn about them regardless of where they're from. If they're good at their sport, people want to hear about, hear from them. Absolutely. All right, let's finish off with this final question. Uh, what are you guys excited about as you uh, as we look ahead to this following year? It can include, by the way, the amazing work that you're both doing. Is there anything out there in the game that you are excited, looking forward to, optimistic about as we look ahead? Jenny, what do you think? Well, I think we're making strides in, in specifically what we're talking about. You know, CBS Sports has made a big push in hiring Latin uh, representation, talent specifically, your show, the podcast that everyone is listening to right now, is called Que Golazo. Like, did we think that that could happen a while ago? Like, probably not, you know? And, 
you know, Nico hosting the show called Que Golazo. That is a Spanish terminology that we grew up on that some people maybe didn't know about. And now they're like listening religiously to Luis Miguel every week, speak a little bit of Spanish in between when he's, you know, delivering all of these important interviews. So yeah, I think apologies about that for annoying everybody. <laughs> I'm excited about those strides, you know, um, that there are people that care about making that push. And like Max said earlier, it's, it's having those people in positions of power, in positions of making change. Um, I'm specifically excited about in two days, I head to El Salvador to cover World Cup qualifiers for CBS. Um, and I get this opportunity because, well, not because, but a lot of the reason why I, I feel like I can advocate for myself to have this spot is because I speak Spanish and I can speak to the El Salvadorian team and I can speak to the Honduras team as well. And I can speak to the Mexican national team as well. So, um, that's what I'm excited for. And Pepe, hopefully, huh? And Ricardo Pepe, for sure. I hope I get a feature on him. That would be fantastic. Well, make sure that you catch Jenny on CBS and, of course, the Paramount coverage of the USMNT. How about you, Max? What are you looking forward to? Before I go, I had my own pod, the Soccer OG pod, and I had Fernando yeah, Palomo from, from El Salvador last night. And he was telling me, if you want to support the U.S. team in an interesting roundabout way, you can fly from Miami to San Salvador. First, está regalando $130 round trip. So if you have no minute, if you have any plans yet, and you want to watch, go support the U.S. I could not believe it. That's but it, a lot of Central America and Northern South America, you can get really, because there's flights are still going on. So he alerted me. I went to Expedia, which is my thing to do. I'll go on the websites. You know how people go on Zillow, like they did the SNL skit? Yes. I go on yeah. Expedia, just check on flights <laughs> that I'll never take. That's what I do for fun. But, so where are you going? Will you be there too? I'm not going. I don't think I can, but actually at that, I, Jenny, I'll, I'll let you know. Maybe yes, I'll go last price, minute. Maybe. It might get cheaper between now and say Wednesday. So if it gets to like 90 bucks, I'm going to go. Como está diciendo, lo están but, uh, regalando. Lo están regalando. But uh, well, to answer your question, looking forward to everything that you guys are doing and uh, seeing this soccer, this sport grow, because it's a very cool time with the emergence of the U.S. team. The World Cup in 2026, we're all in it now. And we're all going to benefit from it. And hopefully we amplify the Latino experience here because it's going to be a, it's good next few years. And when the U U.S. hosts the Women's World Cup again, and that's coming soon, it's going to be a, a great sport to cover. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Well said to both of you. I am so happy you took part in this great conversation. Thank you for being here for Kego Lasso. Max Bretos, thank you, my friend. Luis, thrilled to be here. Thank you. Uh, and, and Jenny, great to chat with you and look forward to seeing you out there. Maybe uh, on Thursday in, in San Salvador of all places. Well, make sure you get those tickets. <laughs> Jenny Chu, thank you so much, Jenny. Luis, thank you. Mi gente, muchas gracias por tenerme. Muy lindo. Thank you so much, everybody. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe. Que golazo. We're here every single weekday. Enjoy the rest of your week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.